In this podcast, we look at the cultural atmosphere after the Second World War, represented by the idea of postmodernism. We need to define what this word means in art and philosophy, and the best way to do that is to contrast it with what came before. In the 1920s and 1930s, you have a movement known as modernism. After World War II, we speak of postmodernism. Postmodernism represents a rejection of the artistic and philosophical movement that came before the Second World War in the 1920s and 30s, which was called modernism. Let me define modernism first. Modernism stressed the creation of new things with experimentation and new technologies. It was a belief in order and purpose to be achieved through newness, innovations, and the rejection of traditions. Modernists wanted newness not for the sake of newness, but for the sake of achieving old truths in new ways. Truths such as freedom, emotional release, love, and individual achievement, and even security and comfort. Modernism believed that truth does exist, and they were the old truths, love, security, freedom, comfort, self-expression. But these old truths, these old values, needed to be achieved and expressed in new ways, in new forms, and you can see this clearly in art. Examples are shown on the webpage for this podcast. For example, the painting Guernica by Picasso. Picasso was known for painting things in weird shapes, in cubist forms. But his message in Guernica is an old message. The message is a protest against the fascists who fought in the Spanish Civil War. But it shows the violence that was meted out and imposed upon the victims of the Spanish Civil War. So Guernica is a traditional painting in the sense that its purpose is to campaign against war. The idea that war is bad is an old truth, but Picasso is making that statement in a new way with art that is far from traditional. Another example of modernism is Falling Water by Frank Lloyd Wright, his home in Massachusetts. You can see how modernist the home is, but it also is complementary of nature. It blends in very well with nature, and it looks like a very comfortable, very beautiful home. It is. It celebrates beauty, does not collide with nature, but it has clean lines and is obviously a new kind of architecture, clearly modern. In modernism, you have music without melody, such as the music of Arnold Schoenberg, Poems without rhyme, such as Gertrude Stein's famous poem, A Rose is a Rose is a Rose. That is the poem. No rhyme, but she is writing about a traditional value, something of beauty, a rose. And novels without a plot, James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake, where he tries to tell truths about sleep and dreams, things that have always interested artists. But he tells those truths in a novel with no plot and with gibberish as words. Obviously, that is expressing himself in a new way. Gustav Klimt's The Kiss 
is also shown on the web page, and it shows two lovers in a form that you would never expect to see them portrayed, but it still shows two lovers. It still shows a kiss. A kiss is still a kiss. A kiss is still considered important, according to Gustav Klimt. So you see, with modernism, you get the old truths, but you get them in a new form. You also see this in pop art, such as Andy Warhol's painting of Marilyn Monroe and Campbell's Soup. Marilyn Monroe and Campbell's Soup are icons of culture. They are icons of pop culture. And by portraying them, Warhol is saying that if you think that Marilyn Monroe is important, he does too but he portrays them in a way that we would normally not consider artistic, more of a photographic way than a creative way. So modernism was going to die out after the Second World War because of things like the Holocaust. The Holocaust raised questions of whether there was such a thing as truth, or whether the old values really did exist or not. If the Holocaust could happen, what does that mean about the Enlightenment? The Enlightenment must have been a lot of hot air. There is no such thing as progress. Maybe there's no such thing as truth. Maybe values are made up and totally fictional. So postmodernism was going to go farther than modernism. It was going to reject the very idea of truth itself. And so let me give you an extended definition of postmodernism, and let me give you some examples of that in our culture. Now, before discussing postmodernism, I want to make clear that most people are not postmodernists. Most people are not even modernists. Most people believe the same things that people believed 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. But we talk about artists and philosophies because they're on the cutting edge of society and because they seem to reflect some of the historical developments that have happened in history. So you have to keep in mind that when I define postmodernism, it's not that most people believe the things that the postmodernists believe. They don't. But it is simply the fact that it tracks with the historical developments that we think are important. But this is the definition of postmodernism. It is a point of view that denies the reality of truth. It denies that there is such a thing as truth. It denies the possibility of knowing anything. It denies, especially, postmodernism is the notion that, that knowledge and beliefs and ideas are socially constructed. They're constructed by a power structure to uphold its own power. And therefore, it is essentially fake. It's essentially made up. It's bogus. It's self-preserving. And therefore, we should deconstruct any supposed truth and look for its selfish underpinnings so that we can criticize it and get rid of it. Once again, very few people are postmodernists, but this is supposedly what our society has come to in many respects, at least among the artists, the artists and the philosophers. Postmodernism is opposed to the trends of the Enlightenment. Of course, that was true of modernism as well. 
But postmodernism may be seen as a more radical version of modernism without the faith that there are such things as truths. Because as we saw, modernism does believe in truths. Postmodernism does not. Postmodernism can be seen in music, for example. The type of music that we see with postmodernism is called minimalism. It's music that tries to reject the atonal type of music that we saw with Arnold Schoenberg. In other words, there were a lot of composers in the modernist era who wrote extremely abstract music, but it was incredibly complex at the same time. It didn't have any melody, but it had a lot of structure to it. Well, postmodernists try to simplify everything in, in music. An example of a postmodernist composer is Henrik Gorecki, who wrote the Symphony Number no. 3, which is a beautiful symphony, but it, again, it has simple lines. Also, John Adams is a composer. Philip Glass. Their musical compositions tend to be very simple in design. Often beautiful, but it is a form of art which has been called postmodern. Much of postmodernism, though, is extremely destructive of any kind of art or design. And it's deliberately so. If you don't believe in reason, if you don't believe that there's such a thing as truth, why would you create a work of art? It has to be, almost by definition, a worthless personal point of view and has no artistic value whatsoever. So postmodernism almost destroys itself, and many critics have said this. One critic of postmodernism, a man named William Lane Craig, says that the idea that we live in a postmodern culture is a myth. In fact, a postmodern culture is an impossibility. It would be utterly unlivable. People are not relativistic when it comes to matters of science, engineering, and technology. Rather, they are relativistic and pluralistic in matters of religion and ethics. But, of course, that's not postmodernism. That's modernism. Another philosopher, Daniel Dennett, has also criticized postmodernism, saying that postmodernism, the school of thought that proclaimed there are no truths, only interpretations, has largely played itself out in absurdity, but it has left behind a generation of academics in the humanities disabled by their distrust of the very idea of truth and their disrespect for evidence, settling for conversations in which nobody is wrong and nothing can be confirmed, only asserted with whatever style you can muster. That pretty much sums it up. So when we look at the history of the period after 1945, do not expect historical actors to be acting in a postmodern way. You can expect writers to be talking about postmodernism from time to time, but even most writers are not postmodern. Most people continue to believe in truths that have stood the test of time for centuries, if not millennia. People live their lives 
much the way they lived their lives in Victorian England, for example, in the 19th century. On the other hand, you can find glimpses of postmodernism in culture from time to time. But in our next podcast, we're going to talk about the Cold War. And there you will see very definitely that people did believe in reason. People did believe in logic. People did believe in truth. And when we fought the Cold War, we were fighting for the right in a very rational way. And we succeeded in preserving our system against Soviet domination in the Cold War. So until then, this is Dr. Ryman. <laughs>